Hi guys, welcome to the Body Power Mind podcast with me, Adam Robinson. Today, I talk to Johnny Meller, who is a British long-distance runner, well-established within the marathon scene, picking up some amazing time throughout his journey. I talk to Johnny about his qualifying time for the Olympic Games, and we also go into the technicalities of running, including nutrition, training, and recovery. You guys are going to love this one, so let's learn, let's apply, let's inspire, let's do it. So guys, today on the podcast, we have Johnny Meller. Now, Johnny is a British long-distance runner, and he's competed in a ton of events, but he actually established himself um, as a marathon runner in 2017, where he raced at the Berlin Marathon um, with a time of two hours and 12 minutes. Since then, he's gone on to qualify for the Olympic Games with a qualifying time of two hours and 10 minutes, which is absolutely incredible. Johnny, thanks so much for chatting to us today. No, pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. So um, I just want to sort of dive straight in. I mean, how how long have you been running for? And can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, I mean, I guess like a lot of people, I started off um, sort of my teenage years, uh, maybe even a little bit earlier, to be fair. Um, and I just did loads of different sports. So it was actually football and swimming that I did more than running. Um, so it wasn't really until I got to the end of under 16s and I stopped playing football as much and I just you know I realized that I wasn't going to make it as a footballer and uh, <laughs> you know I realized that I enjoyed running and something I found I was good at and I started taking it a little bit more seriously then um, and then from there I went to university at Liverpool John Moores and after after I graduated um, well when I was in university sorry I won a couple of British university titles over so 5k um, and I kind of realized that obviously I had I guess the, the talent was there and the potential to sort of go on to better things um, and yeah from after university really I guess I just focused solely on my running um, and I've been very fortunate to have a very good training group around me and I've worked with some very good coaches as well and it's helped me you know achieve some of the times that I have done. Yeah, it's um, it's funny you say that that you started with um, football and swimming. Um, I've I've talked to a few people now on this podcast, um, and especially um, Kieran McGeehan, who we had on. She said she origin her first love was um, Kimogi. Kim- I think it is. Yeah, yeah. that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, she was saying you know that was her first love, and she just she just naturally organically went into running from that because she got all, all her um, not talent as such, but she said. She had lots. There was lots of aspects to Komogi which she could apply to running, um, and that actually helped her a lot more. So I'm guessing maybe football and swimming did the same for you. Yeah, exactly. I always found like when I was running well, I'd be swimming well, and you know, vice versa. You know, playing well in football and things like that. So I think they definitely all complemented each other. But I think it just gave me a good overall sort of background and. You know, you see a lot of, I don't know, teenage sort of sensations, you'd say, and they'd be winning all local road races or track races, whatever. And by the time they get to the 20, they're kind of gone, they've disappeared from the sport. And whether that's like um, lost, you know, loss of interest in it um, or lack of interest, whether they burn themselves out, I don't know. But I think mm. I really enjoyed 
challenging myself with the different sports you know and I think you know obviously grateful to my parents for giving me that opportunity but I just wanted to do anything you know anything that got me out of school lessons I was happy to do it's cricket cricket hockey whatever I was happy to go and do it so yeah I think it gave me that sort of overall I guess general fitness as well that I could then build on you know some specific training yeah so you've always been into sports and been always yeah. into doing something active um and i yeah. suppose it's good to have that passion isn't it because it does push you and drive you to do to do other things like you've gone on to do as well um in football were you the fastest on the pitch no i wasn't actually <laughs> um, i did play mid i did play midfield so i guess I had the engine but yeah i definitely wasn't the fastest and still not the fastest to this day like but it'd be funny now if i went and played football now i guess all my friends would be thinking you'd be the fittest on the pitch but totally different fitness so i'd be uh, i'd be struggling i'm sure yeah i think that's it isn't it um especially with the long distance running like you do you're more um um fine-tuned to that that type of running aren't you rather than yeah. um, fast-paced sort of running yeah, the stop starts and you know the twisting and turning and that kind of stuff. So I, I mean, I still I probably would choose to watch football over athletics on the telly, I guess, because I think it's good to switch off. And mm. so obviously, still you know, huge football fan and stuff, but I just sadly can't play it anymore. Just in just as a hobby, <laughs> just as a hobby, maybe yeah. When I'm retired, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> um, so you brushed on um, how important your coaches have been to you and before as well. How much of a part have they played in your running career? I think, you know, huge, like, I honestly couldn't be here without them, you know, um, you know, and as I say, I've got two, you know, two sort of main coaches that sort of stick out for me that I worked with, but, you know, there's been others when I was younger, you know, sort of the, the club coaches, but both, you know, both my two sort of main coaches that I've worked with for my career brought different sort of, um, I guess, theories and beliefs to their training, um, I, you know, kind of went from a more of an old school approach to a more now, I guess, you'd argue scientific and kind of a lot more, theory base behind it um but yeah as i say they've, they've guided me they give my training structure they've often held me back when you need holding back but also everyone needs you know that kick kick up the, the arse every now and again mm. as well so you know it's they're just more more than just a stopwatch you know and you know steve my coach now was um an usher at my wedding and stuff like that you know so i see him as a as a friend you know as almost family as much as I do see him as a coach now as well especially as I've got older and our relationship has changed a little bit as well mm. do you find that um like you say it's great that you know that you're such good friends with your coach do you find that when you are training do you find that they do have to be very very strict with you sometimes to to get you to push to that next level yeah and I think Steve does get the balance very you know he gets it right you know there's there's obviously time to be laughing and joking and you know being friends I guess and then but you know we can switch into athlete coach mode you know straight away and you know yeah definitely I think you know there's a line there because it's a professional relationship as well so yeah I think that's something that Steve's obviously worked on very well with all his athletes you know he's got a good relationship with everyone but he knows where there's a line I guess and yeah yeah I think yeah, he's still he's still more than happy to tell me to pull my finger out or, you know, if he's not happy with anything that I'm doing, you know, he'll always tell me so as well. Yeah, that's good. Um, so I want to go on to your running events now. Um, I had a look on your um, athlete profile online and you've done so many races, it's unbelievable. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you still remember your very first race? Um, yeah, I can. And weirdly, I wore a Leeds United shirt. Like, <laughs> why? I don't know. I'm a Liverpool fan, but I remember wearing a blue and yellow Asics Leeds United shirt. And I think probably had football boots on as well. And it was 
the only thing I can't, I, I guess at that age it would have been Cubs. I don't think it was Scouts. So yeah, it was a Cubs cross country race, um, and just in a local park. And I think it was top ten. I, don't, I definitely didn't win it. And then I remember doing a couple in primary school. But yeah, I do remember my first. It was cross country race with that must be the Cubs. So yeah, I do, I do remember it vividly. Yeah. Do you enjoy the cross country side of it? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I do. I really do enjoy the cross country. And people think I don't because I don't race cross country anymore. But I just can't do it. I just I don't know what it is. But I just I can't compete the same on cross country as I can with guys that I race on the road, you know, and I just, I don't know why that is. I don't know what it is. My style of running, perhaps maybe it's mental now. I don't know. But I do love cross country running. Most of the running I do is on trails and off road where I live now. And yeah, you know, I'll sort of thing I'll probably do once, you know, I'm not chasing times as much. I'll just do it for, you know, the enjoyment. So yeah, I love cross country running. I just not, not great at it. But having said that, you know, I've, I've medals in Northern Cross Country Championships and stuff like that. And I actually, I think when I finished third in the Northern Cross Country Champs, probably won my last cross country race, my coach Steve won the race that day as well. And that's probably, that must be going back about six or seven years ago now. Wow. So, uh, so you've been running for a long, long time then. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so from that first event that you ever did, which you can remember, did you ever think you'd be qualifying for the Olympics? I get, do you know what I guess at that age you probably think yeah <laughs> because you think you can achieve all of that age so yeah maybe and it was always, it's always been my dream And but there's definitely been times along the way where I thought it's not going to be possible or I'm just not good enough you know I was injured in 2012 and 2016 um, so you know two Olympic cycles and that, that sort of crucial year whether I would have made the team or not I don't know because obviously I wasn't running at the level I am now but I guess it was an outside chance and uh, you know I got injured both those years so yeah, and I'm you know, I'm not there yet. Still, still got to see you know, got to wait what happen, wait wait and see what happens. Obviously, everything going on at the moment, but yeah, there's definitely been times where I didn't think I'd be able to do it. But there's certainly times when it's kept me going, and that's what I really wanted to achieve. Yeah, I suppose um, it's it's um, quite an unknown time at the minute, isn't it? It's unprecedented, and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, so we just have to keep doing what what we need to do, really. Um, but um, I mean, you're, you know, brushing on your qualifying time. That's an insane time to to get for a marathon. What was going through your head um, when you got that when you got that time? Um, I guess it was a mixture. Like at first, I was kind of, I guess, like stunned. I was like, "Wow, I've done it! I've finally done it!" Because that was my eighth marathon, um, and out of eight marathons, I got two. Right, I guess you'd say I ran two twelve twice. You know, and they were good runs. Um, when I ran two twelve September two thousand and nineteen, I was kind of a little bit disappointed. Running, I ran a PB, ran two twelve twenty nine, but I knew that that sort of two ten breakthrough, that next step up, was there. So I was, it was a good race, but I was still disappointed. Um, and as I say, I'd run a two thirteen in there, and the other marathons hadn't gone well. So yeah, I mean, marathons a tough, tough sport, and I think you put so much into it both in three months before the marathon but the years leading up to it so I was kind of just sort of a bit oh my god lost for words and I actually felt like crying at the time because it was just such a whether or not I would have done it if it was an Olympic year I don't know but I was just sort of like I've done it I've finally done it you know and I'd say my eighth marathon to get it right um you know I was just delighted and just yeah, felt like all your training fell hit. into place yeah 
yeah exactly just i was just like finally you know i've got it i've got it right i've got the fueling right i've got the pace right and we've got the conditions right in on the day you know all that kind of that side of it so yeah i was just uh yeah i was totally delighted and it was just really nice because we'd worked hard on that race um myself malcolm hicks and a german guy we'd we'd kind of got in touch sort of i guess at the end of last year or probably even not, not long after berlin in september and so i said like look we're all in the same situation here. We're all kind of two eleven to two thirteen runners. We need to get the Olympic qualifying time. Um, you know, for the different countries and we kind of let's get together, let's get a few guys together and build, you know, a race amongst ourselves basically that we can do. And we decided on Seville because Seville in February the weather's normally very good. It's a fast course. And honestly, like any runners listening to this, I highly recommend Seville. Um, just what what a marathon you know a really nice city to go and visit as well um, so we put a lot of effort into it a lot of work into it and you know I remember celebrating at the end with uh, Malcolm from New Zealand there was an Estonian guy the German guy you know there's a few there's a good few of us a Spanish guy I think as well and we'd all run Olympic qualifying times for our various countries and I think in the marathon it's different to any other distance because you kind of you're with each other in the race you're supporting each other in the race you know in other distances, you just want to beat everyone, you just want to kill everyone. And don't get me wrong, I wanted to beat them, but you're in it together. It's kind of like you go through so much within that two hours running. So, yeah, it was really, it was mixed emotions, but it was obviously delighted at the end. Yeah, so you think there's this um, this, this community um, surrounding marathon runners where you're all, like you say, you can all celebrate together and just enjoy the race as well. Yeah, exactly. You know, and for me, if I'd have come last in Seville but ran an Olympic qualifying time, I'd probably walked away quite happy. That's kind of, you know, that's guess what that's what about marathon really. Mm. So since you've got this time, how have your plans changed now that you're, you know, you're aiming towards this these Olympic Games? Um well obviously I've still so I'm not officially officially selected and I've Basically, it depends now on what happens because the trial race was going to be London, um, which got cancelled. So it's not all; it's certainly not official. Um, so I'm not definitely in yet. So plan-wise, at the moment, my plan is to go and run London in October, um, which won't is not a trial race, and any times that I record in London won't count towards the Olympics because it's outside the window now. Um, but I, I say at the moment, like everybody else, we don't really know what the picture is. You know, in terms of races. London may go ahead. London may be an elite-only race. We just don't know yet. It may be, you know, we just don't know. And I don't know that. And, you know, I guess we hopefully we'll find out soon because I don't really want to put my body through another marathon cycle not to race. Um, so the sooner we find out, the better, for, you know, I think, to give athletes fair time to prepare. And also, it takes so much out of you. And as I say, I've done, I've done eight marathons now. I'm 33. I don't want to do a marathon cycle for the sake of it. And, you know, so at the moment... Um, I was quite unfortunate. I got I actually got sick at the start of all this in uh, middle of March, so I missed a few weeks training then, and then I picked up a, a calf injury. So at the moment, my main goal, my main sort of where I'm where I'm focusing on is just to build my fitness, get fit, running consistently, and then the plan is to race London in October. And after that, I don't know. I really don't know at the moment, which sounds strange for a sort of professional athlete to be saying that. But <laughs> I think that's obviously everything that's going on at the moment. That's where we're at. That's it, isn't it? It's hard to say, isn't it? <clears throat> just, yeah. just as it comes, going day to day, I think that's the best way to do it, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah. After these marathons you do, they're obviously very, very demanding on the body. Um, even, yep. and even so, you know, you are, um, you ha- your body has adapted to this way of running. 
how long does it take for you to recover from a marathon? Um, someone once told me um, a mile a day for basically all races. So, you know, if you're running half marathon, 13, 13 days. And for me, I think it's quite right. I think it can take me up to a month to recover. And most of the time it does take me a month to recover. Um, some some worse than others. Um, it kind of depends how much you empty yourself on race day. Um, so, yeah, I normally take a week off, complete rest. Um, then I'll do like a week of easy jogging every other day. So like four miles every other day and then gradually build up from there. But it'll take me at least two weeks, normally more, before I start feeling myself, properly feeling myself. Um so we actually have an ongoing joke in our team, fresh off the marathon, because I'm training with like 5K, 10K guys that are fresh as anything. And I've, I've just come off a marathon <laughs> cycle. I've had my rest and I'm just like, I'm fit, but my legs just don't want to know. So I always sort of make the excuse, oh, I've just done a marathon. So it's a bit of an ongoing joke now. Um, so yeah, a bit different. <laughs> I think it, yeah, it varies for everyone. I have no people that I coach that have kind of gone from doing a marathon and doing another one two weeks later. And it's everyone's different. And I think it's, you know, no, not one rule for one, not for the You've got whatever works best for you. But I've recovered my best when I um, take full rest recovery. Um, London last April, basically we moved house in the October, November before that. And then we sort of come into Christmas and then I was starting my marathon cycle. So I was like, right, I'll put all this off until after the marathon. And then the week after the marathon, literally the Monday after I'd raced on the Sunday, launched into all doing stuff around the house basically completely tore up the garden all the paving slabs and re- redid it all and i just i was knackered for months afterwards because i just hadn't recovered and i thought i was recovering just by doing something completely different but because i didn't get that time to relax and recover it did help me back longer last summer um so yeah normally if i spend a bit of time on a beach somewhere that's the best way to recover <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Um so now we've come on to the um the recovery and um you know how to maybe technique and stuff as well. Um I want to just brush up on um some tips and advice that we can actually give um people who are into running and, and enjoy running and want to improve with it and maybe want to um get into it competitively one day as well. Yeah. Um so the, the first question I want to ask with this is, I mean, it's probably a very vague question, but how often should people be running to improve every month and roughly for how long? Yeah, I guess it, I suppose it is quite vague because it depends on where you've come from, you know, what your background is. But I don't think you can go far wrong with sort of running three to four times a week, but you might need to run once or twice a week to get, you know, to build up to that point. Um and I think one thing, especially if you're a beginner runner, you know, don't be afraid to run and walk. So by that, I mean running for, say, two minutes, then walk for two minutes, run for two minutes, walk for two minutes, and build up gradually like that. You know, don't be afraid to really start at the bottom because the f- biggest mistake new runners make and all runners pretty much is not patient enough. They want results overnight. And it takes time, you know. It takes time to build fitness. You know, if you do too much too soon, you're going to risk injury. And you're also going to risk losing motivation because it becomes so hard that you just don't enjoy it. So I think if you're, if you're building up and you're running probably three to four times a week after, you know, after a few months, I guess that's quite sustainable. Depending on how long you run, that can be just literally 30 to 45 minute runs. It all depends really. But I would also recommend adding some cross training there where that's going out on the bike once a week, going for a long walk, going for a swim, that kind of stuff. So you're not putting so much pressure on your body by just going out and running every day. You're actually mixing your training up as well. And you're going to, you're going to build fitness by that, by doing it that way. And if you build up 
safely and progressively over a period of time, then you can add an extra day's running, you know, and build it up that way. And then once you can manage that and you kind of think, I can manage that on a weekly basis, then you can add another day. So I think, it, again, it varies. It depends what you've done in the past, but everything you do, you've got to do it carefully and progressively and mix it up with other training as well, I think. Yeah, um, I'm, you, you brushed up there on um, walking and running at the same time as well. Um, oh, sorry, yeah. not at the same time. Um, alternative and maybe jogging as well. Um, is, is this similar to Couch to 5K? Yeah, 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 very, very similar. So a lot of the Couch to 5K plans start like that, yeah. Would you, um, if someone's you know, brand new to running, would you advise them to start with this? Yeah, 100%. Really, honestly, really good. I've got a similar one. I sort of recall it zero to hero, <laughs> but it's very, very similar to uh, Couch to 5K. And I think it is a really, really good way to safely build up your running. Then, you know, there's, you've got park runs, and so most people have them on the door, you know, lucky enough to have them on the doorstep. So things like that are really great to get involved with because um, you're running with other people, which make it a little bit easier. Um, and just kind of just run with someone else helps so much. So again, you know, as well as park runs, if you can find someone else to build up your running with, it's going to be a big help because if you've got that accountability of meeting someone for a run the next day, you're more likely to go for that run rather than skip it, you know, and have a lie-in or something like that. So yeah, definitely. I think Couch to 5K is a really good way to get started. And how important is it um, to mix strength training with your running as well? Yeah, again, like I think if you've got the time, um, because obviously no, not everyone has the time to do it. Um, not everyone has the access to a gym, things like that. But if you if you have, then great, yeah, you know, and you can also do lots of stuff from home. You don't have to be lifting heavy weights. You can do a lot of body resistance work from home, um, and even if you do little and often, little and often, you know, two three times a week for twenty minutes ago, it's going to help. And basically, strength training is going to help you stay injury free. Um, which then means you're going to be able to train consistently and build up your fitness because um, you're not going to improve if you're sat on the couch with a with a sore leg. So I think if you're in the gym, building up your strength, it's going to help you running massively as well. And what kind of exercises do you incorporate with your training? So I, um, I'm i in the gym twice a week. Well, I would be in the gym normally twice a week. Um, and I do one one or two extra core sessions a week as well, depending on how tired I am with the actual running training. Um, I keep it, I'm, I'm a big believer in keeping it simple. So things like squats, lunges, lots of sort of functional one leg stuff. But then I'll do a lot of course um, and glute stuff. So like, you know, planks, just core routine, sit-ups, that kind of stuff. Uh, med, a lot of med ball stuff. Um, do you do a lot of yeah. body weight stuff or do you, do you use weights? So like I've not been in the gym obviously now, like everyone for seven weeks. And all I've got here, I've got a 20K kettlebell, a 16k and a 12k kettlebell i think i've got a couple of 8k dumbbells and that's all i've been using that's all i would really use anyway in the gym so i used to lift heavier but my back was just too restricted to get any benefit from squats and it was causing me more problems so i use a kettlebell now for my sort of squats um just because i find it works better for me but with that i'm only lifting 20k but I've had a little bit of a calf problem the last couple of weeks, but other than that, I've had my longest spell of running without injury that I've had all my career, and I'm lifting less. So I think you can do a lot of stuff and just simply body weight. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, that you say that? Um, I'm a big believer in body weight exercise myself. Um, I did, I did, yep. you know, try and go quite heavy um, a few times when I used to go to the gym, and um, 
I just found that I, I ended up injuring myself all the time. And it was probably my own fault because I was probably, you know, my ego was probably getting a bit above me and I was maybe yeah. trying to lift too much. Um, but I just yeah, found exactly. that I was getting injured all the time. Um, but I do find that body weight, um, I'm unsure if you've um, realized this as well, but with me personally, I, f- I find that with body weight exercise, it gives you a good strength to body weight ratio. Yeah. Rather yeah, than, definitely. You know, and I yeah. Think, yeah. I think someone like Kira, um, who is a track predominantly a track runner, eight hundred, fifteen hundred meters, then then your weights and your gym become a lot more important than for a marathon runner. Um so I think it depends on your goals as well, really. Mm, yeah. Um how important is core training? I mean you mentioned about your back before, you know, you, you said you're restricted yep. to lifting heavy because of your because of your back. How how important yep. is it to have a strong core? Because I've I've had a lot of people, a lot of clients myself who've come into me and they've started running and they've said um after their after their runs, they say, My lower back started to hurt. Um and I'm getting you know, I, I assume that that is maybe a weak core. I mean, how how important is it to, to train your core? I mean, I, I think it's very important. I think because it's that's what's going to hold your body up, and especially in in running, you know, when as you get tired towards the end of a race or even at the end of a run, your core is going to help keep that form in place to help keep everything else moving, keep your arms moving, even to keeping things like your lungs and stuff moving and open, kind of to get as much oxygen as you can. So, as well as doing all that, your, your core is then stabilizing your lower back, it's stabilizing your hips, all that kind of stuff. So, it's I think. It's the core of your body, I guess, and that's why it's mm-hmm. called that. And it, mm-hmm. it keeps everything else moving as well at the same time. So when you're knacking, you see people, um, you know, in the kind of the classic runner sort of crouched over, knackered towards the end of a race. Yeah. Having a strong core prevents that for me. Right, okay. Um, and the other question I wanted to ask on the sort of physical side of it was, it sounds like a bit of a stupid question, but... Is there, a t- is there a technique to running, to your physiology of running, or do you just run? Um, I think everyone has their own sort of, their own running style. Um, depending on how effective that style is, you may may or may not need to kind of change it. I think I've seen a lot of people over the years think they've got to change their running style because they want to look more like an elite runner. But it's, that I've, and I've often seen that result in injury. Um so I think. So I think what people, does that style look like as an elite runner? I think it's um, you know your classic up on your toes, you know a four foot striker, um, you know it's almost floating along. Um, but I think you know there's a lot of things whether you land heel or I think you're probably best midfoot as a so we say a recreational runner um, because I think that's going to put less sort of stress and impact on on your low biomechanics. And I'm not a physio here at all, and this is sort of more from my experience the way I'm talking. Mm. Um, but I think that's going to be better for you rather than getting up on your toes, that kind of stuff, because elite runners are so conditioned and have done it for so long, so many years to kind of run that efficiently that I think if you start trying to do that yourself, that's when you're going to get injuries, that's when you're going to get problems. So for me, I think it's, unless it's, I guess, unless it's broke, don't fix it. And if it's working for you and you're staying injury free, which is the main thing at the moment, then, then stick to it. Um, you can make subtle changes, and I think there's certain cues you can look for in your upper body, you know, keeping your shoulders relaxed, your arms nice and light, hands, imagine you hold an egg, but you don't want to break that egg in your hands, that kind of stuff. They're all little pointers that are going to help without changing too much too drastically as well. Okay. <clears throat> so um, I just want to move on to nutrition just for the last final final bit. Um, 
how should people be fueling their runs? I think I spoke to Ross Millington the other day and he said, you know, before he goes on a long run, he just has like a piece of toasted jam on it, I think he said. Um, So what sort of stuff should people be having? Yeah, I mean, again, I like to keep an open mind when it comes to nutrition and I'll be the first person to kind of say my diet's not the best. But before running, I think if you're having something that you know works for you, um, and something like jam on toast is ideal. Something that probably I'd probably advise avoiding dairy before a run because this can cause stomach upset. So, you know, toast, pancakes, bagels, um, a banana, that kind of thing before a run. Something that's light in your stomach, easily digestible, is going to help um, in terms of fueling. You may want to try energy bars as well. You don't necessarily need them, um, but I would. So normally, um, a typical week for me, I would run two interval sessions and one long run. My interval sessions, I tend to have an energy bar. Um, very lucky to be sponsored by OTE Sports, so I have like what's the a duo bar? It's called. So I'd have a duo bar before my sessions about two hours before, and then before my long run, I maybe have a banana or a piece of toast two hours, 90 minutes before. Um, everything else, I actually do on empty, so I do it fasted. So I just I go out for an hour run, say they'd have nothing before some people like to have coffee but i don't i don't like it personally so yeah i i um i'll do a lot of my stuff on empty and then i i will have energy bars for some stuff but it's what works for you some people everyone's different the stomach they're going to respond to different stuff differently so it's it is trial and error to be fair you got to see what works for you and um, that's mm. why i say keeping an open mind is probably for the best really yeah you mentioned there about coffee as well um do you have you ever had any sort of pre workout before a run? Um, do you, you know do you take any supplements yourself to to help you? Um, pre any before, like a key session, like if it's a big one, <laughs> maybe I'm nervous yeah. for it, something like that. Because I don't drink coffee, I mean I have a cup of tea, but I know caffeine's not as strong in that. But um, I would have. Um, I have Elite Health Span caffeine. It's just I have that. It's the same as Pro Plus basically, but I know it's informed sport. Um, so I just take a basic caffeine supplement, yeah, and I always take that before racing as well. Um, yeah, just to kind of just because caffeine, obviously, I think it's pretty proven that it does work. And do you take protein shakes as well, like after your after your runs? Yeah, yeah, I um, I have protein after key sessions, long run, and gym workouts, but. I think you can. I think things like chocolate milk is just as good as well, really. But yeah, I do. I do take protein shakes probably about four or five times a week, I guess. Right. Okay. Perfect. I mean, you know, we've you've um you've given so much there. I mean, um, I'm sure all the runners are going to love this podcast episode. Um, <laughs> Johnny, I just want to um thank you um again for coming on today. Um, and talking to us um i've learned a ton myself and i'm sure a lot of people will take a lot away from this um and there's Not something always. there for everyone you know there's something there for beginners where they can go out they know what they're doing now um, and they know how to fuel their running as well um, yeah definitely there's, yeah. There's, there's one more question i want to ask you and it's one that i ask all my guests um and the question is what is the most valuable thing you've ever learned in life I'm going to say something my coach Steve Vernon always says um, is a happy runner is a fast runner and I think you can apply that to so many areas of life if you're happy and yeah, I just think if you have a positive mindset going through life everything's, I say everything seems good but I just think it's a great outlook to have in life so for me happy runner is a fast runner Thank you for listening, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast today, please share it around with your friends and family members and give them the tools to transform their lives as well. I've been Adam Robinson, and this is Body, Power, Mind.